Welcome back to the Gathering Place of All Nations weekly Sunday service. This past Sunday, Pastor John Irving shared a message about the Feast of Tabernacles. I pray your ears are open to hear what God is saying through this sermon. Well, take your Bibles. I, this is going to be a double blessing. I got two Bibles here. All right. I got uh, the um, uh, NASB, and I've got the Passion Translation. I'll be going back and forth because there's some things I really like in the Passion Translation. Anybody like the Passion Translation? Isn't that powerful? So I'll be going in and out of, uh, of them. And um, we're still in the Feast of Tabernacles. And I thought it finished today, and I watched one speaker last night. I think it was Rodney Howard Brown, and he said the Feast of Tabernacles finishes tomorrow. We're at the tail end, whichever it is. Anybody know exactly? Fred, do you know when it, when it ends? All right, we're either in the seventh or eighth day, all right? Um, and last week, I, I explained and, and read, and Victoria, even though you're now uh, living in America uh, the Canadian Thanksgiving is the proper date. All right? There's a, I explained the reasons last week, but because Reed and Victoria weren't here, let me explain. And it's wonderful. We're planning on being in America for Thanksgiving, their Thanksgiving, hopefully. And, um, but the Feast of Tabernacles is in the fall. And it's kind of in the psyche of the people that were, it's, it's a harvest, all the feasts have to do with harvest in some capacity, but in Israel, it's the fruit harvest. Talk about fruit harvest. Wow. Uh, we need to get some fruit for the Lord, fruit that remains. All right. And so last Sunday was the beginning of the Feast of Tabernacles, and it was Thanksgiving weekend. All right. So the fact that the two of them coincide, and I've done some studying and the Thanksgiving weekend actually bore out of that feast. They didn't call it the Feast of Tabernacles. They, it, it, it bore out of that uh, loosely connected to the, the, to the uh, so that's where Thanksgiving, that's why I say Canadian Thanksgiving is more accurate. In fact, in November, the end of November, there's nobody, there's no harvest at that time, at least in Canada, maybe in Florida you have harvest. But uh, uh, there's no harvest up here at that time, all right? And uh, so um, the Feast of Tabernacles, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Feast of Tabernacles, but I also want to talk about God's love and about truth and about God, Jesus being the light of the world. And so what we're going to do is I'm just going to give a little bit of an introduction. You know how Dr. Russ does it, you know, he talks a little bit and then he gets into the message. Well, the first 10 or 15 minutes is just a little bit of a greeting, hello, just a little bit of, uh, of, of stuff that's been on my heart, and then I want to really get into chapters 6 through 9 of John, um, also chapter 3 of John, but I'm not going to read the whole thing and preach the whole thing, it'll be, it'll be quick, trust me. Uh, the feasts, spring feasts are what, come on, just shout out, what's the first one? Passover. What's the second one? There's three of them in a row. Passover. Easter. No. I, I, I've taught this, Janice, for uh, 15 years. All right. Come on. First one is Passover. In order. Let's do this. Come on. Come on now, first fruits. Our first fruits. Oh no, that, that's actually a third one, sorry. The second one is what? Unleavened bread. Oh, of course. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. Uh, Passover, Jesus is crucified. We're going to start in a few minutes with that. Um, and then we go to unleavened bread, which is Jesus without any leaven, without any sin. First fruits is his resurrection. Then Pentecost, 
our right is um, uh, 40 days later, and they've all been fulfilled. This is God's calendar. These are his, what they call, appointed times or rehearsals. And so he's, he set the calendar. And now we're in the Feast of Tabernacles. We've had the Feast of Trumpets, then the Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And now we're at the tail end of the Feast of Tabernacles. And again, we didn't get into that last week. We're going to get into it now. And... Um, This is a glorious, this is the most glorious celebration. It is the final one, all right? Hanukkah and Purim are not the original uh, seven feasts. They are, they are biblical because they are in, the, in there, but they came afterwards and they have an importance. But the seven feasts, the Feast of Trumpets, big celebration in Israel, around the world, parades, Joy. They live. It's also called the Feast of Booths because they live in a booth. They put booths. You know, Fred loaned us his tent one year. We remember we put it up here, and now we got some room. Maybe next year we need to actually build a booth. All right, and and whatnot. Um, but the Jewish people will be living, sleeping, eating in these booths to remind them of what God did in the wilderness, the ten plagues, that got them the freedom that they needed, the, the miracle of the Red Sea crossing, the provision of food and water in the desert. All right, God wants us to remember what he did. He doesn't want us to live in the past, all right? But can we remember and give God glory for what he's done in our lives? All right, 21 years here, Eagle Worldwide, I'm, uh, Dr. Russ and Mabe and what they have accomplished and what they have done for God. All right, uh, we missed Dr. Russ. It was so good to see them a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I'm very happy that they're down there, and I'm very happy reading Victoria down in the south. We miss them. We're so glad they're, they're back, and now we might see a little bit more of them as they come back and forth. Um, but um, I just want to share a little bit, some information about end times for a few moments. That's my segue here before I get into my message is we are definitely living in end times. I love what May spoke a couple of weeks ago. If you haven't heard her message or if you heard it and you want to hear it again, uh, where she equated, all right, wokeness with the harlot of revelation. It was so succinct. It was so buying on. And that's what we're dealing with. The difference between the bride of Christ. We are the bride and the harlot, all right? A wokeness or being alert and being awake. What a, what a huge difference. And um, the news, if you will listen to the news, all right, if you can trust the news, all right, uh, is actually uh, kind of like um, current news. The Bible is like current news right now because Everything has been predicted, everything's been prophesied, everything has been uh, determined beforehand. And we need to now put on end times filters, you know, if you have sunglasses, and start to read the Bible with an end time intent. And once you start to do that, you begin to see the Bible coming alive about the times that we're living in. You know, it's... Uh, 12, 15 years ago, I began studying and teaching on the tabernacle, and all of a sudden, I had my tabernacle filtered glasses on, and everything in the Bible was all about the tabernacle, about the presence of God. Well, now I have my end-time glasses on, and I'm telling you, you don't have to just look, read the book of uh, Revelation or Daniel to see end-time stuff. You read the Gospels, you read the epistles. I, I'm now reading and studying James, and I've studied it. And I've taught it many times at our school. By the way, we have a great school online. Some incredible courses. Pastor Victoria's course was online, the Blood Covenant, which she just finished. And, you know, if you took that course with Victoria this last two weeks, all right, can you write a review? Just, you know, yes, Victoria did a great job, and I really learned or something like that and sent it to her or me. Uh, we want to put some reviews up on the website. 
a tabernacle course, Hebrew history, if you took them, write a little review. It can be two sentences, all right? And then I'll get them down to Victoria, and then we will uh, put these reviews up online. They're only $49 now, all right? Sometimes they do a monthly special, $25 for a course that normally would cost just under $200 in the past. I, I'm looking at taking some courses from our, you know, Dr. Russ on leadership, uh, right? The prophetic, uh, Pastor McGill, any, anything that Pastor McGill teaches is phenomenal, and so many others, all right? So I, I, that's just a little commercial. Now back to the message, all right? Uh, but we're living in end times. We need to know what is going on. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of predictions of when tribulation and when the Lord's coming back. Uh, the most prominent one that I've been hearing is the tribulation will start in the fall of 2025 and Jesus coming back in 32. Um, but I already told the author of the book that my Bible says no man knows. All right? Uh, but I, but I, he's, he's a man of God and there's people that uh, in Toronto area that, that are well known that have endorsed his book, so I'm taking it seriously, all right, but I don't know, but we know that it's coming soon, we know, and we know that things are going to get really hard, this winter in Europe is going to be a nightmare, and I don't think it's going to be all that much easier here, and we want to be, to, we want to be a church that helps people through this rough time, all right, and that's some of what I want to talk about this morning. And uh, look at, if you look in your Bibles, I'm going to be in, in the NASB Bible simply because I don't have the Old Testament. <laughs> Very familiar verse I want to read, but it's the next two verses afterwards that have been on my heart a lot the last week. And Second um, Chronicles 7.14, most of you can quote this verse. Um, Let's start at verse 13. If I shut up the heavens so there's no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, and if I send pestilence among my people, here's verse 14, and if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, four things. Humble themselves. That's fast. God is calling us, the church, right now to do some fasting. All right? Intermittent fasting, whatever. But we need to focus on the Lord right now. Four things. Humble themselves. The fast. To pray. To seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. And we'll forgive their sin. And we'll heal, the, heal their land. Folks, we're talking about the highest point of the history of the Israel nation. We're talking about dedication this temple that they loved, the temple of Solomon, this one of the seven wonders of the world in the ancient world. And they're saying, well, if you get it, if you if you move away, these this is how you come back. But listen to this next verse. And this is the one that has verse 15 has been on my heart most of the week. Now my eyes shall be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. Now we know that this is the dedication of the temple. We just had the summer dedication with Dr. Russ. Then we had an opening service and then the mayor was in here and we had the grand opening service here and we cut the ribbon. He cut the ribbon. But he proclaimed as an official of this town, the top governmental official in the municipal government, he declared our church open. There's something in the spirit when you have a governmental official coming in and declaring something open. There's a shift that is happening throughout this uh, Feast of Tabernacles and this fall feast. There's a shift of the miraculous. There's a shift of the harvest that is happening. And we are about to step into uh, something new. I've talked to Dr. Russ and everywhere he's going, he says this, it, it is absolutely exploding down at Ashland, Virginia, uh, different meetings around. There is something fresh and we need to not think that this is the same old, same old. It, we are in a different season right now. 
All right. Whew. And then verse 16. So I, I say to you that this verse is about the historical temple, but it also there's an application for this new time, this new season that we're in, this new tabernacle, in this new sanctuary. Now my eyes shall be open. God's eyes are open on us right now. And my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. If you have a prayer request, just offer it up. Tune me out and start praying to the Lord. He'll listen to you in this place. All right? Or wait till afterwards and then. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house. That's the temple. But it also applies to this house. Remember when we got into Psalm 84, dwelling places. Remember I spoke that about a month ago? Most of us think that is the temple, all right, or the, actually it was the tabernacle, but it's plural. In Hebrew, it's plural, dwelling places. This is one of the dwelling places of the Lord here. Eagle Worldwide, other churches. How about the dwelling place in Florida? Whew. If I ever get down there, I ever get to preach, I'm doing Psalm 84. All right, dwelling places. Reed will take it before me, but that's okay. All right? Uh, that my name will be there forever. My eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. All right? There's something that God is doing in our midst, and let's never take that for granted. As, as Reed said, he doesn't want a visitation. We've had many Monday night visitations. We've had camp meetings and visitations where God comes and, and we're undone, but he wants that to reside permanently here and um, we're, we're believing for that all right and um and i can't believe it's already this time because i haven't started the message yet all right and uh um let me go into another thing i want to share so one of my focuses today is god's love the book of john is full of love and light god's love and the contrast between light and darkness these themes are everywhere and um, turn to uh, John chapter 3, and we're going to run through some chapters here, and we're going to do it fairly quickly. All right, verse 1. Now there was a man, you know what, I'm going to go into the Passion Translation, because it says it in a different way. And um, I want to have that way. Um, Passion Translation. Uh, now there was a prominent religious leader among the Jews named Nicodemus, who was part of a sect called the Pharisees. One night he discreetly came to Jesus. Isn't it wonderful how he says it? All right. I still appreciate the, the more little translations. I think there's some things in there that are very important that we never forget those translations. But this is wonderful. One night he came discreetly to to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God for no one performs the miracle signs that you do unless God's power is with him. Jesus answered Nicodemus said, listen to the eternal truth before a person can even perceive God's kingdom. He must first experience a rebirth. Nicodemus said, rebirth? How can a gray-headed man be reborn? It's impossible for anybody to go back into the womb a second time and be reborn. But then Jesus just ignored it. He says, I speak an eternal truth. Unless you're born of water, that is natural birth, and the spirit that's being born again, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. For the natural realm only gives birth to things that are natural, but the spiritual realm gives birth to the supernatural life. We are in a supernatural season right now, the likes of which we have never seen before. And it's not the natural things that we need to be focusing on. Yes, I like uh, to be up to date on news and stuff like that, maybe a little bit more than I should. Um, but 
That is not our main focus. It is what is God going to do? We can begin to believe that God's going to break into our realm like never before. In the first coming, Jesus came. In the first coming, he came and he did signs, wonders, and miracles. And in his second coming, that's just about the, just around the corner, we're going to see an increase, an absolute increase of signs, wonders, and miracles. Healings, miraculous events are going to begin to take place. It is going to be glorious. Now, if you go down to verse 16, it says this. Actually, start at verse 14. Just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a venomous snake on a pole for all people to see and be healed, so the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in him will not perish but be given eternal life. Here's that Famous verse, but it's said a little bit differently here. For here is the way, of, way God loves the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. But get the next couple of verses. So that's God's love. God did not send his son into the world to judge or condemn the world. Let me just pause right there. We don't need condemnation. God is, is not here to condemn anybody, Christian or non-Christian. He's not here. He's here to save the world. All right? It doesn't matter what you've done. If you're a Christian, you are righteous, not because of anything you've done, but because of the blood of Jesus. All right? It doesn't mean that there isn't times that we slip up and mess up and we need to ask God's forgiveness. All right? It's, it's kind of like a, a son or a daughter. Son or daughter messes up in high school or college or early in life. All right? Is that, is that person condemned? No. We still love our daughters, our sons, regardless if they get in a little doo-doo. All right? We still do. We still love them no matter what kind of situation that they find themselves in. We still have a love for our children, and we won't believe the best. Nothing can take away from the love of a parent for their child. All right, how much more is that magnified with God? I, it doesn't matter what you've done. Oh, I messed up this week. Okay, repent, and there's still a place for repentance to get right with God. But he hasn't stopped loving you. If you're not a Christian, he loves you. And it doesn't matter about your past. It doesn't matter. You say, well, you don't understand, Pastor John. I did this and this and this and this. I've heard everything. Reed's probably heard everything too. Pastor Russ has heard everything. There's nothing that you can tell me. Listen, I was there when somebody confessed murder. All right? In a downtown coffee shop. All right? Evergreen. And we led the person. He was weeping. He was crying. Uh, this is years and years ago. He, let, he gave his heart to the Lord. Then we said, you know, we have to phone the police. It was involuntary manslaughter. He didn't mean it. They were both drunk. All right? But he accepted the Lord. He had to serve time. All right? But Jesus loves him. Come on. The power of God's love is so vast, so great. And in these last days, we're living in times of incredible darkness with some incredibly wicked people. All right, we'll get on to that in just a minute. And uh, let's just carry on. Um, God did not send his son into the world, verse 17, to judge the world and condemn the world, but to be its savior and to rescue it, uh, verse 18. So now there is no longer any condemnation for those who believe in him. Woo! That reads just like Romans chapter 8, verse 1. For those who believe in him... But the unbeliever already lives under condemnation because they do not believe in the name of the only uh, Son of God. And here is the basis for their judgment. The light of God has now come into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. Now, anybody seeing some people of, uh, of darkness these days? You can start with our prime minister. You can start with other government officials who hate the light, who hate the truth. Let's just call a spade a spade, all right? There are people that hate God, 
And they're doing everything, and there is forces in these last days that we begin to put our filters on. This woke harlot is trying to overcome the world. And the Bible says she will be successful for a short season of time. But I don't believe she's going to be successful right now. I believe it's the time for the greatest hour of the church. I believe the next two, three years, we're going to see the church grow in such exponential. The harvest is going to come in. Our family is going to come in. You know, my brother's coming down here this week. He's getting closer and closer. Probably the last one that I would, uh, I would ever expect. I would expect my two sisters to come in before him, but he's, he is, this pandemic has opened his eyes to what's going on in the world. All right? And there's people open right now. There's people that are hungry. There's people searching for truth. We have the truth. Oh, you don't have to get all, all talking about all the stuff. Just talk about Jesus being real, that he loves you, that he is the truth. Point them to the gospel. It's a time. All right? And so uh, verse, um, uh, verse 19, the light has now come into the world, but people love the darkness more than the light because they want their darkness to conceal their evil. Wow. Huge elections coming up. Let's pray for America. So the wicked hate the light and try to hide from it. Folks, right now, things are being exposed everywhere. The wickedness and the darkness over the next couple of months, it's already started to come to light. The stuff that people tried to do is being exposed. For the light fully exposes their life. The more and more people that become Christian, more and more people that the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5 that we are the light. Jesus is light, but we are light as well because we have the light of Christ in us. Sanders a great big huge thousand watt light bulb or maybe a million watt light bulb. So is Francis and everybody else here. Come on. Come on. And um, but those who love the truth will come into the light for light will reveal that it was God who produced their fruitful works. Wow. Wow. All right. Slip over to chapter 6. And keep an eye on the time. I want to finish at 12.30. Chapter 6. Now, I want you to take attention here. We're not going to go much into these chapters. I just want to point out a couple of things. But John very much wrote chronologically. Matthew was a little bit here and there and kind of put together, but John was very chronological. And the thing that he used most was the feasts. So I just want to show, so you can get a time when you're reading John, you can get an idea of when in the three-year period of time was Jesus speaking. It says in verse 1, after uh, this, Jesus went to the other side, the lake of Tiberias, which was known as the Lake of Galilee, and a massive crowd of people followed him everywhere. They were attracted to his miracles and, he, and the healings. They watched him perform. Jesus went up uh, the slope of a hill, sat down with his dis- disciples. Now it was approached. Listen to this, this verse. Uh, I haven't read anywhere else. All right? It take, you can read in the other uh, Gospels the information there, but there's something that they... Uh, um, excavate out of scriptures that I've never seen, and this is a new revelation to me. Um, And as I was studying this yesterday, I I I was overwhelmed by this. Now, I was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover. That's in the other Gospels. But listen to this. And there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. Many of the people that were there in that they were en route one of the things, because of the Passover and the three times a year, men would have to travel to Jerusalem. Now, that's like walking from here to Sudbury. That's, that's, that's about maybe Sudbury's a little bit further. Uh, uh, even if it was walking here to Barry, it was longer than Barry. All right? That is, you know, three times a year, you've got to walk to Barry. Now, we could drive to Barry without a problem. I go through Barry every week, going to Aurelia. Uh, but they walked. 
three times a year. They're en route, and what do they do? They stop and listen to Jesus. They stop and listen to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Instead of doing, instead of just going and scratching the religious obligation going to Passover, all right, they stopped and listened to the Messiah. Wow. Wow. Think about it. There's a lot of people go to church, but they're not meeting the Messiah. All right? We need to meet the Messiah. We need to stop. We need to take time out of our busy schedule, out of the places that we're traveling and going to, to hear the voice of God. It doesn't matter how busy you are. You need to take time. And I want to thank each of you for coming here this morning, taking time out of your busy schedule to be here. And those watching online, it's important for Jesus to intersect with your life, to have an encounter with God. And, um, and then he performs the multitude of the food. We're talking about the compassion of God. He recognizes that they need some food. He knows our needs. Even in these last days, he knows what we need. And he supernaturally provides. Okay, put on the end times glasses here. All right, we're in, coming up into some food shortages. Guess what? God is going to supernaturally provide. We do our part, but he's going to do it. He is going to provide in these days. So we, he says, do not worry. Look at ch- chapter, um, chapter 6 of, uh, of uh, Matthew. All right? The birds have their nests, the flowers, you know, the ha- are arrayed in their glory. All right? Um, they, they don't toil for it. They don't work at it. It just comes to them. All right, there's going to be come a time in these last days that God is going to undertake for us supernaturally. We need to do our part. We need to, to try to prepare. We need to do that stuff. But God is going to supernaturally provide. All right, and he did here, supernaturally. And that, that's what this, uh, this story now is speaking to us to this end times, that there's going to be a miraculous provision in these times. He walks on water in this chapter. He walks on water. I've said this many times, you know, I've, I, I grew up around a cottage, and, uh, then, and Peter got out of the boat, and he began to sink. Well, you know, whenever I stepped on water, I didn't begin to sink. I didn't get halfway down and get stuck, read, and I'm up to my belly. I think I'm going to go down a little more, but I'm, I'm I, you know, no, you're just down, all right? So he knows what we're going to face in these days. He knows that the storms that are coming, that's what the storm, the storm in, in, in the story and the waves and, and whatnot are the things that are coming, the news, the reports and whatnot. All right? Don't be too concerned about what the news media are saying and be careful because they're trying to sway us into, into fear. That's the main thing that they're trying to do is get us to be fearful. Keep your eyes on Jesus. And I'm going to ignore that phone call. Glory to God. Um, Keep our eyes on Jesus. Jesus walked on the water. He walked on the circumstances. We will walk on the water in these end times. Amen. And God is just so, so, so amazing. Over into chapter 7. All right. You can read all this. That's your homework. Read 6, 7, 8, 9. All right. Chapter 7. After this, Jesus traveled extensively, verse 1, throughout the province of Galilee, but he avoided the province of Judea. The Passover was one year before the Passover when he gave his life. All right, you can write that in your notes if you want. Chapter 6 is one year before he gave his life. In that chapter, he says, you must eat my flesh and drink my blood in chapter 6. That's one year before, and everybody left him except the disciples. So Jesus traveling after this, he avoided the province of Judea, for he knew the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem were plotting to have him killed. Now the annual feast of tabernacles. So now, if the Passover was in the spring, when is the feast of tabernacles? In the fall. So now we we know between chapter 6 and chapter 7, we have about six months. See, see, see how this works? There's so much in the Bible that we can uh, extrapolate. And so we know that this is about six months after walking on water. 
And um, it's the Feast of Tabernacles. We also know that Jesus died, hung on the cross in Passover. So we also know this is approximately six months before Jesus gave his life for us. You see how that works? All right, how we, and John is really good at doing that. All right, and um, the annual Feast of Tabernacles approaching, so Jesus' brothers came to advise him. Can you imagine? Have you ever had your brother try to come and advise you? Sister? All right, so remember, they're, they're younger brothers because Jesus was the firstborn of Mary. And it also says his brothers. Roman Catholic Church says Mary's a virgin and she had no other children. Well, the Bible clearly says here and, and on numerous other places that she had other children. All right? Uh, so they have that wrong on that point. Um, and so why don't you leave the countryside villages, in other words, leave the Galilee, the armpit of Israel, and go to Judea. That's where the action is. Leave... Leave, uh, I grew up in Cape Hill. Leave Cape Hill and go to Toronto. All right? You want to be successful? That's what you got to do. Where the crowds are, so that your followers can see your miracles. No one can see what you're doing here in the backwoods of Galilee. <laughs> How do you expect to be successful and famous if you do all these things in secret? Now is your time. Go to Jerusalem. Come out of hiding. And show the world who you are. Now, this is a very key verse here. His brothers were pushing him, even though they didn't believe in him as Savior. They didn't believe he was God. They heard Mary's story about virgin birth, and they heard all about this stuff, and they saw it, but they still didn't believe. They, they didn't believe. Yet James, who actually his name was Jacob, in 1 Corinthians 15, it says that Jesus appeared to James, his brother. And at that point, he became a believer and became a leader. And that's why we're studying the book of James right now. Well, what does that have to do with us? How many people have brothers or sisters in your family that don't believe? They need an encounter with Jesus. They need to see the risen Christ. They need to see God and his power work in their houses, in their lives, in their families. Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your family. It doesn't matter how bleak or how dark or how things look right now. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up. Don't give up on them. They may be caught up in some stuff that, that grieves you, but God has a way of breaking in. Listen, Franklin Graham, how many people know Franklin Graham? He got away from God until he was 40 years old, out in, I think, Seattle area or whatever, caught up in all kinds of nonsense, all right, before he finally gave and surrendered his heart to the Lord. All right, if you have children that's under 40, you've got lots of hope, all right? Look at uh, Jesse Duplantis, all right? He was way off. You really listen to his story. It's, it's powerful. How about Wallace Heflin? He was 40 as well before he gave. He grew up in this family. His grandparents were, were at Azusa Street. And they had this campground. And he was way far away from God. He was 40 as well when he came back to Jesus. Most of you don't know him, but he's, he's the front. His, his sister is Ruth Heflin. All right? And they're part of the, the Calvary campground down in Ashland, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C., where Russ and, and, and these folks go to quite often. And we, that's where we met Dr. Russ. All right, he was 40 years old. Wrote some of the, some of the most powerful books I've ever read. All right, but he was away from God. So don't give up on your families, your parents, your children, your grandchildren. Don't give up on them. Pray, believe. This is a season for miracles. This is a season for healing. Amen. Praise God. So Jesus says, my time, verse 6, my time of unveiling hasn't yet come. But any time is suitable opportunity for you to gain man's approval. He says, I'm not looking for man's approval. The world can't hate you, but it does me. 
the Beatitude says that blessed are you when every man say evil and, 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 and curse you and on account of me. All right? Do not be obnoxious, but at the same time, do not be concerned if you have people, even in your own family, speaking against you. Continue to walk in the truth. Don't let, don't let people pull you away, all right, from walking with Jesus. That's so important right now. You're going to have friends, family, bosses, employers, government, medical, trying to tell you to do something, all right, trying to sway you. In, in, professors in school are going to try to persuade you. Don't lose your faith. This is not the time. Keep your, keep your heart. Guard your heart. Um, you can go ahead and celebrate the feast without me. My appointed time has not yet come. Jesus lingered in Galilee until his brothers had left for the feast. Now, they would have traveled for many years. Think about this. Him and his brothers would travel three times a year with Joseph for a season until Joseph was gone. But they, they would go. Remember, Jesus was down. He got lost at 12 years old. You know, his brothers were probably there saying, what's going on with this, this Jesus? You know, what, 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 you know we're, we had to leave or whatever. His brothers went with him every year. Come on, Jesus, come with us. Come on down to Jerusalem. Let, join the caravan that is going down. And he says, no, no, my time's not yet. Listen to this. He, he did obey because every male child had to, had to go to Jerusalem during these feasts. And uh, until his brothers left, then later Jesus took the back road. I don't know about you, but when I'm driving, I like to get off the main roads. I love taking back roads, all right? And went to Jerusalem in secret. And during the feast, the Jewish leaders kept looking for Jesus and asking around, where is he? Have you seen him? And controversy, he's a good man. No, he's a demagogue. And, and, uh, and then it says here, uh, verse 14, not until the feast was half over did Jesus finally appear. Oh, there's so much. I could preach on that verse for the next two hours about end times. I'll let you try to figure that out with your end times. Think about end times. Think about the midway point of the tribulation. And he began to teach, and the Jewish leaders were astonished by what he said. How did this man acquire such knowledge? He wasn't trained in our schools. You want to know something? If you get into the presence of God, God will teach you. God will teach you when you get into his book. Yes, you can learn stuff from the courses that we share, like uh, Pastor Victoria and, and such. But God will teach you, and you will have wisdom. Wisdom is there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Come on. Knowledge you can get in any school, but wisdom really comes from above. And it's a fear of the Lord that begins wisdom, begins this, 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 this understanding. All right? And so, praise God. I'm trying to find out where I am in my notes. I just totally left them behind. Have you ever done that, Read Just get them some notes and then and you're all over the place. Where am I? All right, verse 37. Am I there? Um, verse 37. Then on the most important day of the feast, this, this is important. It's talking about the rivers of living water. There's two things that happen on this day, on this last day, the great day. The, the uh, NASB says it's the great day. Now, some say it's the, the seventh day of the feast, but many others believe it's the eighth day. And the eighth day, they said, is the last day, uh, but there's a special name, and I don't have it in my cranium right now. Uh, but there's another name for that. It's a day that is part of the Feast of Tabernacles, but it's a separate day saying that all the feasts are completed. And this is the day. All the feasts. Jesus gets up and he says two things. And if you've been with us for more than two years, you're going to know what they are, and I'm not going to go through them very, very long. Then on the most important day of the feast, the last day, this great day, this eighth day, which I believe, 
Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, All you thirsty ones, come to me. Come to me and drink. Believe in me so that rivers of living water will burst out from within you, flowing out of your innermost being, just like the scripture says. You see, on that day, the priest would go down, actually, every day. Every day of the Feast of Tabernacles, he would go down to the pool of Shalom. And he'd have two uh, gold pitchers. And he would dip them in the pool of, Sh- of Shalom and then walk up. Up, you go down. It, it, we've been to Israel. You, it's steep going down, and it's steep coming back up. All right? Um, and then he would pour the water on the brazen altar as a water libation. And so as they're pouring, the eighth day, as they're pouring, the high priest, as he's pouring the libation, offering, Jesus stands out and cries, Are you thirsty? Come to me. That's just religion over there. That's not what you want. You want a living relationship with me. That's what he's saying. Are you thirsty? Are you hungry for truth? Do you want to have life? Come to me. That's what he said to the woman and the, the Samaritan woman at the well. I have living water. You'll never thirst again. All right? Are you thirsty? Do you want to know the truth? Nothing that you can drink, nothing that you can eat, nothing, no activity of a nightclub, no, no, uh, no, uh, you know, uh, I know some people like golf, I might be touching this one, uh, somebody might be saying, be careful, Reed's saying, all right, golf is fine, nothing wrong with it, don't let it become a god, all right, um, or, or any good or bad activity. Let the living water of Christ come in you today. Receive the living water, the truth of God. There's so many people that go to church, they don't know Jesus, and they're on their way to hell. Come on, folks. Let's just be be, be honest here. You, You can't just go scratch a religious itch and live any way that you want. There has to be a transformation. It doesn't mean that if you have a an issue, if you get have a problem, that you know, and all of us sin and fall short of the glory of God. But he's there, and he wants to give us living waters. He wants, to, he wants to refresh us. All right, that's the first one. And then in chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 12, then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Those who, this is all happening on the last and great day of the Feast of Tabernacles. We're seeing the incredible love of God, the boldness of Jesus to stand up. It takes faith to be bold, to stand up and be counted for. And in these last days, we're going to have to stand up. We're going to have to let our light shine. We're going to have to let the love of God shed abroad to people. Or shed abroad is like light. You walk, did you know that when you walk into a room of unbelievers, you absolutely light up that room spiritually, all right? Sometimes people don't like that. They don't want their evil deeds to be exposed. I remember uh, years and years ago, my brother was working in Toronto for about six months, got laid off uh, at the the, the railway, and he was working at a car dealership down here, and he was living with a a group of guys in uh, Bathurst area. And I went over to see him once. He was there. I didn't go too often. I was quite busy, and, and I was in ministry as a youth pastor way, way back in the day. And I went in there, and when everybody found out I was a minister, they all stopped swearing except one person. Except one person. My brother. You know, in some ways, I actually, I actually appreciate that about my brother. He just, this is who I am. I'm going to be what I am, regardless of who's there. Because once he becomes a Christian, he can tell the truth without caring about who's in the room. And he's, he's come to faith. Maybe even this week. I'm going to see him on Tuesday. I'm the light of the world. Now, here's another thing that happened is that they had these great big menorahs, several of them. And it's, it was called the, the, the light show. All right? And the people out on the Mount of Olives, every night they'd light these great big Bunsen burners, these, these great big menorahs. And, and, and all the countryside was, was, was lit up because of that. Every night they, they saw the, what they called the glory of God. 
but really man's ability to, to light up. You know, I, I kind of look at it as a, as a fireworks day. They, you, they saw this fireworks at the temple, and they've seen it all week, and they've been coming for years. Many of them, they saw it. And then Jesus stands up and says, no, no, that's not the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Can you see the contrast, the two of them, the water libation, and then this uh, menorah? He says, no, no, that, that, that's just, that was just there to let you know that the God that's coming, the Messiah, me, I am the light of the world. And those who embrace me experience life-giving light. They'll never walk in darkness. Moving over to chapter 9, and I'm almost done, and I am done time-wise. How many people can give me five minutes? One, two, 20, 30. Okay, I got another 30 minutes. All right. Praise God. Chapter 8 has those, you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Uh, those types of verses. Um, I'm not going to go there. Um, but God's love allows us to have freedom of choice. The world right now is saying, this is what you must believe. Believe it and don't stray from it. Whether it's evolution, whether it's abortion, whether it's um, a climate change, the pandemic, the vaccines, and a host of other things. They're saying, this is the official rule. Nobody can say anything outside of this. But Jesus gives us freedom. Isn't that the beautiful thing? You can believe or you can reject him. He's okay. He's not forcing you to believe in him. All right? It is a free choice. In the last few years, actually this last year, I heard this statistic. 312 million people around the world in the last year suffered severe persecution for their faith. 312. When I heard that statistic this weekend, I was like, we're talking about people dying in record numbers, Christians, imprisoned. We're talking about churches being burnt to the ground with or without people in it, all right? Um, and, and, and it's not talking about the mild persecution that we're facing here in Canada or the States. We're talking about serious. Uh, North Korea, all right? Uh, it, you have to be underground. China. Uh, the worst place in the last uh, 12 months has been Afghanistan. When the, when the states, when the, when the U.S. pulled out, uh, they are now going through computer records to find any uh, person, any names of people that were Christians. Once they find the name, they hunt them down. When they find them, they kill them. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get rid of every Christian in Afghanistan right now. All right? And, um, and Mr. Biden says that it was a successful, um, anyway, I better be careful there. All right, now is the time for good news. Let your light shine. Come on, chapter nine, listen to what it says right here. This is the culmination of the Feast of Tabernacle. Jesus walked down the street, he, in, in, in the verse, last chapter, verse of, of uh, chapter eight, it says he, he left the crowd, he walked through the crowd. Most scholars believe it, that was a supernatural event because they wanted to stone him right there. They wanted to stone him. He said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was born, I was living. I, was, I existed. And they picked up stones ready to stone him, and yet he walked through them like hot knife through butter. Supernaturally, this is not, and he did it once before. We don't have time to go into it. And so he left the temple. He left the temple. He never, in his earthly life, he never returned to the temple. Oh, that could preach. Uh, he noticed a man blind from birth, and disciples said, Teacher, who, who caused this guy's blindness? His sinner's parents. And he said, Neither. And then he said that it's, uh, you could experience God's miracle, and he talks about darkness and light. And as long as I'm with you, my. Life is the light that pierces the world's darkness. People hate us because we are light bearers. And wherever we go, we're, 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 we're standing up for righteousness and truth. Everywhere we go, the world is so full of, of hating and lies. They're now trying in, in I think it's uh, 
up uh, in uh, Portland or, or one of these western states. They're now trying to say it is illegal and a parent can be put in jail for opposing uh, gender, uh, gender um, affirming care. Talk, that's transitioning as a 12-year-old. All right, this, this is the latest thing that's going on. I don't have time to go into it. Uh, uh, and they're saying parents don't have a voice. They're trying to take away our voice. But as Christians, we need to stand. Come on, we need to let our light shine. We need to let the truth shine. And Jesus spat on the ground and made some clay with saliva. saliva. And he anointed the blind, blind man's eyes with clay, and he said to the man, blind man, now go wash the clay from your eyes in the ritual pool of Siloam. And so he went and washed his face and came back. And he could see for the first time in his life. Healing a man born blind, the Pharisees knew, was a messianic miracle. There's five of them. I won't, for time, I won't get into them, but this was one of them. Healing a man born blind was a messianic miracle. Only the Messiah will be able to come. At that point, folks, at that point, every Pharisee, every religious leader should have bowed and said, Jesus is Lord. They should have. They know. They were learned men. But their hatred wouldn't allow them to do that. That's what's happening right now in our world. There's a hatred of truth that people do not want to bend the knee, uh, and that's why persecution will ramp up but we know who's going to win. All right? And then, um, l- let me read the footnotes here, and I'm almost done. Someone say hallelujah. All right. We've got lots of hallelujahs. All right, I, I hope you're getting something. I want to read the fo- footnotes of verse 6 and verse 7 in the Passion Translation. You can, If you have the Passion Translation, you can read along. It says, John has left us a book of pictures. I I love speaking in pictures. There's something about trying to bring a word picture, all right, that makes you part of it, all right? The picture here is the mingling of spit and clay. And I never thought of that. I've often thought and spoke and preached different things, but I never saw this before. So listen to this. A picture of the Christ who is God and man, a hypostatic union. The saliva comes from the mouth, the spoken word. Wow, wow, wow. God incarnate, all right? The clay is always a picture of man in in, in Scripture. For our human vessel is a jar of clay. No doubt the blind man has heard people spit as they would walk, walk by him because they had disgust for blind people as a sign of disgust, for they believed that blindness was caused by a curse. But this day... As he heard Jesus spit on the ground, it was for his healing. Isn't that incredible? The saliva is the word of God. Come out of Jesus' mouth, and the clay was man, God-man. Put together a healing miracle and put it on his eyes. I'd never, ever, ever thought of that like that. Does that ever? And then, then verse 7, the pool of Siloam. Hebrew word means to be sent. Apostle also means to be sent. It's what's the pool of apostleship. All right? Um, And we have Jesus, the apostle of our faith, uh, who was sent from the Father and to wash in the pool of asylum or apostleship, the sent one, is to recognize the healing that flows from the one who sent from heaven. This is deep. We could go in this thing for another three hours. All right, and then one more thing. In the context of Jesus' teaching on light of the world and mankind being in the dark, this miracle is giving sight to the blind man is a powerful proof of Jesus' words. He demonstrated. He didn't just say, Nate, I'm the light of the world. He demonstrated a miracle opening a blind man's eyes. Christ... um, in his birth became a man of clay. When he applies the clay over our eyes and we wash in the water of his word, get this, water of his word, 
our spiritual sight is restored. Wow. It doesn't get any gooder than that, folks. We need to wash our eyes in the pool of the sent one. All right, we need the words of Christ, the words of this book to wash over us so that our eyes can be opened. The world is trying to blind us, folks. The world is trying to blind us. In these end times, we have both the seeing and unseeing. We cannot respond in hate to those that are trying to hate us. We need to respond in love because God demonstrates his own love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. All right, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We need to be his hands extended in these times. All right, we need to have the word and we have to have action. That's James chapter 2. We'll be in there probably next week. All right, we're entering the greatest time. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to do something afresh and anew. And with this, I'm closing. Can we begin to talk to people? about the Lord. All right, I know some of you do it regularly. Some of us get into a rut. I'm, I'm, I've just come to church, and, uh, and that's okay, depending on where you're at. All right? Everybody's at a different place. But if you've been coming to church for years, now's the time to start letting your light shine. Let your light shine in the workplace, in, the, in your family, in your neighborhood, in the marketplace. Talk to people. Pray for people. All right? Wherever you are, at Walmart, at the gas station, let your light shine. Listen, I'll tell you, tell you one final story. I don't think I mentioned this last week. But before, uh, the, the Friday before Thanksgiving, I went to get a haircut. And uh, I've, I've been going to the same barber now for a number of years, but there was a new guy in the shop, and he was hungry for business, and when I walked in, he snapped me right up, and uh, I had three haircuts with him, all right? Victoria said, I don't know I like, if I like that guy just cutting your hair, so I made an appointment with the other guy. Uh, I don't usually make appointments. You know, us guys, we don't usually make appointments, but anyway. Um, so I went in, and uh, uh, I noticed that this, this guy that I usually get my hair cut the last couple of times, there's all boxes on his chair. And I said to, to Dominic, I said, uh, where, where's so-and-so? He says, well, he died yesterday. This guy's in his 40s. All right? And um, I said, what? I won't, he, they don't know the cause of death. It's one of those sudden adult syndrome deaths. That's exp anyway, that's another story. He died. The last two months ago when I had a haircut from him, I was trying desperately to share the gospel. I did. But he wasn't really all that interested. He was a talkative guy. He believes, oh, yeah, well, some people believe this way. Some people believe the Hindu in this way and that way. And, you know, everybody has a measure of truth. I was trying to cut through that lie. I was desperately trying to talk to him about Jesus. I wish I would have shared even stronger that he needs to give his heart to the Lord. Well, that just made me realize that any time I go see someone, I might not see them again. Whether it be family or friends or uh, co-workers, we don't know. We do not know. We have to be about the Father's business, and that's souls. We need to have our eyes open to the reality of what's going on in the world. All right? And we need to ask Jesus to open our eyes. Let's, let's close our eyes. Have her eyes open. Now I ask you to close your eyes. Lord, thank you for the lessons that you teach us in Scripture. You are the truth. You are the way. You are the life. There may be someone watching online or in the room here today. Maybe you've made a decision for God but you need to make it afresh and anew today. And I'm going to ask everybody to join me and say this prayer. You may be saying for the first time. You may be saying it for the hundredth or more time, but let it be real.
I'm going to ask you. I'm not going to ask anybody to put up your hands or anything right now in this service. I'm just going to ask you to privately, everyone, say this prayer. And if this is your first time or you've come back to the Lord, let somebody know. And your family, come and talk to me. Anybody, I'm one of the ushers. Just say, I made that choice today. We want to rejoice with you. So let's say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge my sin, my shortcomings, my blindedness. And I now know you're the truth. Lord, put saliva on my eyes. Wash me in that pool of your word. Forgive me of all the sin, all the things I've done wrong. Cleanse me. Purify me. Set me on the rock, Christ Jesus. Let me live for you. Come into my heart and my life. I repent and I turn my life in your direction. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me live a life that pleases you. Amen. Lord, I just pray now for those in this room, those watching online that have said this prayer. I pray that it would stick. I pray that it would be real. I pray that their life would change. I pray that it's not about work. It's not about school that's important. It's about him. And he has a way of opening our eyes and opening our hearts. And I pray God would open each one of our hearts even greater to the times that we're living in. God is for you. God is he's for you no matter what you've done. He is for you. Lord, let people know that you love them. Encourage them. Bless them. Bless families, individuals in this room. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to have a, a, a ministry team here. If you're on the ministry team, Carol and Beulah and Ellen and Jack and Glenna, Mario, Margaret, Lee, and Donna and Marge, and there's a whole host of others here. Francis, all right, just feel free to come up and receive some prayer. Just remember there's no catchers, all right? And so just God bless you. Have an awesome day, and we'll see you tomorrow night with Pastor John Edwards. And Tuesday night, plan to be here. Bring some people, encourage them to come on. And we will see you tomorrow night. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We pray your week is full of God's love. We appreciate you and can't wait to have you back for our next message from Evangelist Jonathan Edwards later this week. God bless you.